0: Welcome back, everybody. Here we are at long last, Dom, to talk some Survivor 44. It's been a little bit. How are you doing?
1: Uh, I'm doing well. Uh, as it pertains to Survivor itself, I i am struggling to find the right word. Like, if you're, if you're not overwhelmed, but you're not underwhelmed, you, you sometimes may just be whelmed, and I wish there was a equivalent of that for just general excitement, which I guess whelmed is, but you, you see what I'm saying here.
0: Is whelmed actually a word? Because it does feel apt, although I have certainly been prone to making up terminology on the spot that just feels right, but is not in fact actually a word. Do they teach you anything about being whelmed at Oxford? Is that actually a concept?
1: I, I think you're meant to be overwhelmed by Oxford. I think that's, that's the place's <laughs> whole uh, whole vibe there. But uh, I, I, as far as I know, whelmed is... It has its use just by itself in terms of uh, raging storms and so on, or, uh, like, you can be whelmed just by weather events, I suppose, but then uh, when you compare it to overwhelmed underwhelmed, it's a whole different uh, connotation.
0: Okay, well, we're back finally for Survivor 44 and are already making very good and efficient use of our time here, diving into litigating whether or not whelmed is a thing. But Dom, I remember vaguely survivor 43 i think we did one episode after like the first three weeks or so and then kind of let the pre-merge and perhaps mergatory as well play out and we had some issue with our podcast feed i right around that episode being released and thankfully it magically fixed itself and was able to post it a couple days later but One way or another, I think it was either right after Ellie got voted out or right after Dwight got voted out, we did an episode that only went up for people to hear after having already seen the next one play out. And I don't obviously know anything about how things may shake out next week or whatever, but I think this might be in a similar vein where obviously people are free to listen this i you know fingers crossed on the podcast feed not magically shutting down again uh as i try to post this one but i feel like today we are going to be talking about certainly plenty of things and people and events that have gone on to this point and we'll probably work some predictions in along the way but I get the vibe just from talking to you a little bit and at least knowing roughly what I want to get into here today that this will be kind of uh, evergreen is the wrong term. But I think the the kind of discussion we're going to have here today is much more about the season at large, kind of the process at large, maybe more accurately and just what Survivor 44 is telling us to this point about just where the franchise is at as a whole.
1: Yeah, there is a reason that our first episode about 44 is coming after episode 6 at this point and is only tangentially about 44, and it's uh, using it as an example of a larger point that we want to discuss because the season itself, for as much as they are making a very explicit and concerted effort to make it as action-packed as possible with advantages flying left and right, and uh, we've only had I guess like one actual meta fact so far, but I, I guess it depends how you stretch the definition. A lot has happened, and yet it also feels like nothing has happened at the same time, and it is tough to to reconcile that in a way that keeps me engaged with the show. And uh, my my Wednesday nights have been pretty busy uh, the past few weeks, and uh, when I have been at home, uh, finding a semi legal feed uh, in, what, in which to watch Survivor Life has actually been pretty difficult. So uh, I have been catching up on Thursdays for the past uh, month or so, and. But Because I'm an addict, uh, despite everything that Elon is doing to our beloved website, I'm still scrolling Twitter, still getting spoiled a lot of the time, and I just don't care as much as I would have used to. And uh, there have definitely been times in the past where, like, getting spoiled on the outcome of that week's Survivor, I would have been furious, angry, Uh, and now I'm just, "Eh, well, that that sucks, I suppose. Now you're Uh, just whelmed. I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm literally exactly whelmed. And so I'm trying to recapture that former uh, state of rage, I suppose, but I was really struggling at the moment.
0: Yeah, I, I think I'm in approximately that same boat. I believe I have watched each of these episodes either live or very close to live, but I too have come away feeling, for the most part, like obviously many things are happening on my screen. But I'm not sure how many, like, super memorable things are happening on my screen. And before we get into, like, what the main kind of catalysts for that reaction from at least the two of us, and I'm guessing we're not alone, have been, I want to, uh, at the top of the show, be very clear. Because whenever we dive into this sort of thing, especially in more recent seasons... I'm always self-conscious, not that any of them, at least that I know of, are even going to hear this, but I want to be very straightforward and upfront about the fact that, like, I'm guessing there are going to be some critiques, perhaps even some complaints today about just the way things have gone to this point on this season, and I hold literally none of that at the feet of the cast themselves. I think this is yet another home run like all-time great cast and that side of things is leaving me tremendously optimistic about like what the future of survivor could very conceivably go on to look like Uh, and i i always want to start there in the new era with this cast is a complete 10 out of 10 for me are you on the where where are you i guess i won't be leading about it what do you think overall
1: about this cast I I'm less high on it than you. I think it's being carried by uh, a few people or carolyn's in particular, who who may be really uh, dragging the rest around with them. But uh, there are some uh, some good names, and people who I think would would pop on basically any season with any uh, cast around them. But for the most part, I don't see this as like a tier above the average cast in the 30s to 20s back in the day from a different era. And so. It seems like this is... We're going to have a lot of criticisms of the way the show has gone over uh, the past four seasons in the new era. It seems like this is one thing you think they're really getting right, is the casting, and then, it, if anything, that magnifies the extent of the other errors because that that average amazing cast is not me given the chance to play what should be the, the same amazing game.
0: Uh, right, and so I, I think I do uh, disagree with you, I guess, about the overall quality of this cast. There are certainly some standing out much more than others in terms of like all-time great character discussions uh and i'm sure we'll get to that but i personally uh and you know maybe i'm wrong about this obviously that's a possibility of the belief that a lot of the less stand out ish uh to 100 percent make up a word there Members of this cast are largely coming across that way because they are just not having the opportunity on the TV episodes to demonstrate what they can really bring to the show. Because, like, 85% of it now is challenges, advantage explanations, and strategizing around advantages, and then a tribal council that's far longer than it frankly needs to be, in my mind. So, there's just so little airtime to go around, at least as things stand right now. Dom. Uh, not to completely sidetrack here, but I have seen, of course, as usual, via Redmond over at Inside Survivor, actually earlier today, there's at least speculation that Survivor may, for season 45 and po- potentially beyond that, be increasing to 90 minute episodes, which I know is something we've talked about in the past and never thought was like a very realistic possibility. Uh, did you see that? And what are your first thoughts about the possibility of Survivor becoming a 90 minute show.
1: I did and I'm a little more conflicted about that than I ever would have expected to be because you, you go back a few years and you tell me every week is going to be 90 minutes fantastic I mean that is beyond my wildest dreams I would sacrifice so many other things that I like about the show in order to just have more Survivor and yet I think experiences in both recent U.S. Survivor seasons and also just the entire corpus of Australian Survivor, including, you know, not limited to uh, the most recent season, which you can find my uh, recap of uh, where Dan Leakey uh, just went up on the the main feed. That was a lot of fun. All of that in its totality has taught me that you can have all the time in the world, but it matters how you want to use that time and the choices you make with how to do that. And uh, so, for example, when people used to complain about the uh, the increase in advantages and so on, crowding out some of the camp life scenes that used to be a staple of the show and have really fallen by the wayside. That There's a follow-up question there of, well, are those getting cut because we would love to have them in, but we have to prioritize this, and if we had 60 minutes to work with, like 60 actual minutes, those would make it in, but those are like the 50th minute of airtime once we rank everything in order of importance. Or is it that we actually just don't care about this stuff, and regardless of whether we had... 45 minutes, 90 minutes, two-hour episodes, this stuff wouldn't make it in, because we don't think that's part of why people watch Survivor these days. Um, And so, I would like to think that this is an an unalloyed, positive development, but given everything that we have said and will say in this episode, if we just don't have faith in them to use the time that they have responsibly, doesn't matter much how much of that time uh, they have to work with.
0: Right, yeah, if the extra 30 minutes is just going to be dedicated to better explaining the even more advantages we can now put in with a longer runtime perfect
1: exactly right
0: right uh yeah i i could see that being kind of uh as with many things in the new era kind of a monkey's paw wish come true uh where now it just takes even longer to get to the actual kind of parts that at least for us and i'm guessing we're not alone are interesting here uh but yeah dom i think let's get into 44 just overall and as i have been kind of just thinking through what to you know how to frame this and how to kind of format this podcast i'm guessing many individuals will come up along the way but in terms of like player specific stuff i have that at least as uh, as far as things stand now more towards the end of this episode and i'd really like to dive in on just the process of 44 how it's been constructed by the producers how it's coming across on tv things of that nature uh and right off the bat to me 44 certainly falls within the new era kind of time frame of survivor and there are plenty of similarities between this and the three seasons that came before it but i actually feel like 44 has been at least for a solid half the episodes if not more almost like a new era within the new era and unfortunately i i don't mean that in like a good way i feel like it's becoming even more focused on the things about the new era that we were kind of grappling to find interesting in the first place uh do you feel like there has been a, a noticeable uptick in
1: that respect I, I do and i say that even though a lot of the individual things about this season that they've introduced and maybe are trying for the first time and going to keep on if they get a good reception uh I kind of like all of them on an individual basis, so I think the birdcage thing might actually be genius, and we can (laughs) debate that maybe. Okay, okay. Uh, But you might not be picking up what I'm putting down, or vice versa, I know, both ways. Um, But a lot of the individual stuff, I think, is potentially promising, but as part of this larger just, like, bundle of stuff that's being heaped upon the entire season, I, I think it might just be too much too soon.
0: Right, exactly. I think it is very easy to see where the producers are coming from in any given kind of like isolated case of these ideas there are the the vast majority of them even i would say totally have legs and if we were to you know spitball different ways we could implement them i think you have a very solid foundation for some super compelling kind of stuff you could throw in every so often to spice up the game and i am always trying to be at least uh mindful of the fact that you know as full of shit as i generally think jeff can be uh as far as this sort of thing goes i absolutely do buy that when he says look we're trying a bunch of different stuff we've been on the air for decades at this point we'll see what works we'll see what doesn't work we can always pick things up we can always drop them off none of this is set in stone we can smash the hourglass anytime we want and you'll never see fill in the blank advantage again Uh, i you know if it doesn't end up working i love that they at least on paper take that mentality seriously and uh, i i think the show would be far worse off if that were not the case however I uh, seeing the changes or lack thereof between 41 and now, and I would also add hearing from Jeff Probst himself on a weekly basis now with the Jeff Probst is on fire process, uh, podcast has me more nervous than I've been, I would say, even in recent years as an admittedly very nervous man about the general kind of process of formatting Survivor seasons, because I have gotten... Uh, to see what it apparently seems like they feel like has been good from the early seasons in the new era and what has been bad from the new early seasons of the new era and hearing in a bit longer form on that jeff Probst is on fire podcast about what he thinks what the producers at large think i am becoming legitimately nervous that what they view as good and compelling and what i view as good and compelling and as usual you know this is i'm just voicing my own opinions and i do not at all mean to speak on behalf of the audience at large or do not at all mean to suggest that i know more about what uh cbs obviously has access to that i do not i i'm always nervous that it's going to come across like i have the definitive answers and i certainly don't as anyone any long time listener of this podcast will know without a shadow of a doubt but at least from my perspective the process uh just behind all of this is leaving me quite nervous and the thing that i want to flag up first i guess is something rob sister nino uh has been talking about as kind of a recurring theme this season it feels like on RHAP and i think he has completely nailed it and that is the idea of hypermodern survivor transitioning more into like kind of a popcorn movie like a big theatrical release event sort of situation than the survivor that we knew for the last couple of decades and Yeah, there are going to be perhaps some kind of like sketchy plot holes from time to time or things aren't necessarily going to track from movie to movie and not every scene is necessarily going to be riveting or relevant, but you're going to get car chases, you're going to get big explosions, you're going to get big battles at the end, and that's what we're really here for at this point. And most vitally there, something I've heard him hammer, and I think he's dead right about this, unfortunately, is survivor may be at the point where like the less you think about what's happening in granular detail the more you're going to enjoy the show if you can just turn it on wednesday night watch from eight to nine and not really worry about thinking about what you just saw until next wednesday night or in the movie context like whenever the inevitable sequel comes out you're going to be a much happier camper as a result there and my concern is dom we are people who you know began a survivor podcast 11 and a half years ago at this point because getting into like the granular detail is what interested me about the show and i would say as adamantly as i would co-sign the point that rob i think has uh, roughly been making over the course of this season I, to me that's uh, a, a pretty ominous kind of spot to be in. I and I know not everyone's going to be on the same page as me here but I am someone who in certainly very recent years but even the years building up to that I just don't enjoy movies anymore. Uh, like I I grew up watching wow. movies all the time. I I virtually never go to the movie theater and there are probably plenty of other reasons for this word but like I feel like the state of popcorn movies has gotten extremely bad for my money. It's just the same beats over and over again every single time, and then we wait to see what happens in the sequel. And I think the most discouraging part for me is that Survivor seems to have gotten to this point exactly by trying to avoid getting to this point. Like, the reason that it all kind of blends together and it's impossible to focus on the nitty-gritty and... Predictable is certainly the wrong word, but repetitive, I would say, is not an inaccurate one, is precisely because they are throwing in so many things in an effort to make it not predictable and repetitive and are getting the exact opposite result of what they are going for.
1: Yeah, we were drawn in and remain engaged by just the basic strategy of the show. But that strategy itself is, frankly, kind of played out by this point. And over the course of the decade plus that we've been doing this, they would have had to constantly be bringing in new twists to spice up the game and the, just the basic format of it in order to keep that engaging. I think the, the thing that makes Survivor uh, compelling after 40-something seasons, even though the basic game still remains uh, essentially unchanged, is that the cast brings the game to life and the personalities of the cast uh, determine how the strategy plays out. And so, yeah, you, you might know in the abstract that you're meant to get a big alliance together and then like gradually pare that alliance down. And if there's a, a big threat in your alliance and maybe you, you deviate from the pogong to take a shot at them, that, that formula is very simple, very ob- obvious, and frankly very boring when it works and it goes according to plan the thing that keeps it entertaining is often it doesn't go according to plan often the people know that you're being too transparent about it and they make the first move against you and they and there are levels to that which hopefully you have a cast which is uh engaging enough personality wise that that pops when that conflict is is brought onto the screen and so to bring in a comparison with uh a show uh like the genius which you know, we, we spend much happier times uh, talking about here um in that show you have the the cast you get to know over the course of the season and, and hopefully fall in love with, but the game itself is constantly being refreshed every week. So there's there's a new game that you have to sink your teeth into and try to crack open. And so that gives you this inherent variety in a way that, you know, the basic format of survivor is always the same, and that, that can't be true there. But well, also it means that, you know, sometimes the games are great and sometimes the game is a dud. And for every uh, today's menu, you have a seed poker, let's say, uh, just to spirit some examples out of thin air. And so during the bad times, you're relying on just the connections between the cast and then making good TV to kind of guide you through that. And at its best, those casts, you would watch happily watch and do basically anything. Just watch them sit around and talk about whatever. Um, and the game itself is kind of secondary. And my worry at this point is, we've we've severed that link between this is who I am as a distinct character and a personality, and this is how my character manifests itself in the game, uh, because the game itself is so random, and it's so oversaturated with advantages, and it's so fluid that any sense of, like, I am playing a game that is distinct to myself, has just kind of been lost in the shuffle, and even for the the hyper distinct characters on this season, like the, the Carolyns, right? It's hard to pinpoint what is Carolyn's game exactly? What, what What is she doing differently from from other people? And it's hard to do that because we don't really know what the other people are doing, and everyone is in this maelstrom of just trying to keep up with all of the advantages that are running from the sky in any given episode. And so I think when you have the, the basic formula and it's not too noisy and you let it settle, that's when you get to see how are these different people going to approach that, whereas here it's it doesn't matter how you approach it. Like, you, you can't actually plan for anything. And so when you can't plan for anything, what, what are you meant to do?
0: Right. And so I think you're absolutely right, and the producers are absolutely right, that if we were Pick to side, have...
1: Colin. No, no centrism here.
0: <laughs> If we were to have just nothing but seasons with no twists and no idols and no advantages and whatever, it would certainly produce a big number of, in air quotes, kind of boring, predictable episodes and that is not at all something that i would advocate for and it honestly tilts me out of my mind to listen to jeff Probst talk on jeff probes is on fire about the people who come up and ask him hey why don't you do a season with no twists and just go back to the classic format that is not at all what i am suggesting i am merely saying i think we have gone so far in the opposite direction now that so many of the votes largely revolve around how do I just avoid being the person who gets clipped by whatever magic power is going to fall out of the sky tonight. And I'm happy to go along with virtually any uh, consensus boot that is going to keep me from being the head that gets chopped uh, along those lines to a beyond counterproductive point. Like as you're, flagging up here so much of it both the game and like the game itself when the players are out there playing and also obviously as a byproduct of that the tv episodes themselves revolve around what's the thing i have to be terrified of tonight and how do i keep that from landing on me and that is just the new version of a pegonging where every week it's virtually every week It seems like we show up and that is much more of the main character than most of the players and certainly most of the kind of interpersonal dynamics that I, for my money, are what makes Survivor just like a fundamentally interesting show
1: yeah and sometimes it feels like i get what i want but the monkey's paw has curled somewhere in there and it doesn't play out the way that i want it to so for example we've said for how many seasons now that it would be great if there were more chances for people from different tribes to interact before we get to a swap or we get to a merge because the thing that really kept uh the game's dynamism in check for so long is you get to the merge and yeah maybe you don't feel great about the people that you've been playing with but they're the devil you know, as opposed to the devil you don't. And you spend, I guess, in in the before times, like 18 days with those people, as opposed <laughs> to the 15 minutes that you spent with uh, you, your new castmates. So it's so tempting there just to kind of like stick it out and hope that something uh, changes for the better. Um, so yeah, I, I, if, you, if you said to me, there is going to be a twist before too long where every episode, people from different tribes will have a chance to mingle and interact. Great. But what it feels like is that interaction now is, just about some like discussion over an advantage and that discussion and that advantage is just the same thing every time or effectively a variant of the same thing and so you, you can kind of script how that interaction is going to go they're going to uh, get to the boat together they're going to make polite conversation uh, they're gonna get to the top and then uh, there'll be some uh you know maybe someone will uh, have the, the gumption to say i don't feel great about my spot would, would you mind uh letting me uh you know take this or whatever and then they'll go back and they'll have to come up with some small lie to their tribe about what they did. Like, you, you've seen this script a million times before. You could write it yourself. It, it feels refreshing already when we see anything different from that. Um, so, yeah, the, the first time, it worked out really well, Like right? Like, you had uh, these cross tribal bonds forming, and then by, by the time you got to the actual merge on 41, you had this, like, this super complex web of things where it felt like anything could really happen. And that was great, but it felt like past then it just kind of... Ossified and hasn't really gone anywhere. And you could, if you were uh, so inclined, you could link this up with some of the other twists that have been going on and try and inject some more uh, excitement into it that way. So, for example, right, the birdcage thing, which uh, we, we will uh, tackle the controversy head on uh, before too long. What if, for example, right, you know, the, the green tribe has the key to the blue tribe's birdcage? Or, and you know, to cycle that around for however many tribes you have. And so, this summit is the one opportunity, maybe, to uh, get your key to the right person on a different tribe. Or, if there's some like tribe raid, which I think is a very simple concept, which is frankly criminal not to do in any uh, survivor season, that would be your chance to like go over, use your key, get the advantage, which is waiting for you, but it's so it's out of reach in any other uh situation. Like, I, there are ways you could spice all of this up where. It would speak to everything that I like about the, the the basic nature of the game and also everything that's good about Twists and being able to mix it up. And yet, instead, it feels like they, they take a swing and then they just kind of like watch the ball go where it goes and don't really draw any further conclusions from that.
0: Right. And I would say the part that makes it even more frustrating for me is, at least for my money, and I am certainly not trying to hold them to like the gold standard of being able to just have a crystal ball and know how everything's going to work out but it does feel like in so many of these cases the lackluster result that they end up getting or the at best kind of like busy and confusing result that doesn't really resonate with the audience long term is a very predictable one uh and if it had just been formatted a bit differently could have been as it you know the birdcage being a good example that you just flagged up could have been something fantastic that would have stuck with the players and the audience for a long time to come and i know i we talked in great detail about that sort of thing for instance with like fire tokens on season 40 like the idea of an in-game currency once again shout out to the genius is a very very good one and i've seen on the genius that when implemented well by producers who understand games frankly a lot better than it seems like these producers do that can be a franchise defining kind of home run but when you don't really see i'm 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 nervous that i'm being like too mean to the producers here but like it it really does come across to me just based on the number of times that it feels like we've come in here and had this sort of reaction to various twists great on paper, but just borderline awful in execution. I uh, That to me is the kind of discouraging one to, reg- to again, return to the idea of just the process. It very much seems like so much of this could have been anticipated and addressed in the production room and, Instead, they're just kind of enthusiastically going with whatever ideas make it past the production chopping block and hoping for the best uh, in spots where some pretty minor tweaks, I think, could have gone a long way. And I, I would say, just in the grand scheme of like the role advantages and the quality of TV that they are producing is bringing to this season as far as i've seen and heard the like runaway consensus best episode of season 44 to this point at least and i'm very happy to leave the door open for something to overtake this if not multiple episodes to overtake this down the line but for the entire pre-merge the episode where the journey was just an advantage-free picnic where three people are hanging out and talking and getting to know each other and have some uh, conflict arise there, followed by, there is no vote, there's just a dude getting medevaced at the end. Like, for that to be the standout episode through the first month and a half, I think is a pretty bleak sign for the way things are actually playing out advantage-wise thus far. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, So... I want to hopefully put a more optimistic spin on this than I feel like we have gotten to so far in this podcast because maybe this is just a coping mechanism on my part. You know, I've spent 20-plus years at this point as a hardcore Survivor super fan. I have virtually no memories of my life before Survivor was, like, a meaningful part of it. I am crossing my fingers and very much holding out hope that in my mind is still realistic to some degree that this is an easily addressable kind of short-term problem if somehow the production room alters the way they talk about and come up with all of these twists and advantages uh going forward where i think or at least hope dom that it is within the realm of possibility that in the spirit of seeing what works seeing what doesn't work hearing what people have to say and making changes as we see fit as producers there is room for this to many years from now just look in retrospect like what i am just what i am deeming survivors kind of midlife crisis era where this is jeff just kind of buying a motorcycle and getting an earring and i don't know going shopping at sephora in skinny jeans to pull an example out of thin air i where after getting to see how this plays out for a little while they kind of come to their senses and say okay Maybe we should scale that back a little bit, and there are paths, as far as I'm concerned, Dom, for Survivor to learn from this, adjust going forward, and become literally better than ever before. These casts, apparently more so in my esteem than in Dom's, at least in this case, but generally speaking, I think you'd be on the same page that the new era casts are leaps and bounds, better than tons of the casts we were getting— in specifically, like, the mid-20s and some of the 30s and so forth, uh, with a bunch of people who didn't really know or care that much about the game or even, uh, like, winning or even being on the show, and they were just kind of there for one reason or another that was not super related to that. These are casts full to the brim with gamers who want nothing more than to play a legit aggressive kind of borderline cutthroat version of survivor and i think are correctly of the opinion that it's just so much smarter given the way the, the game is currently structured to take the safe route far more often than not which again i would say ironically is like the exact opposite of what the producers are trying to incentivize they just don't understand uh enough to see that that is exactly what they are going to incentivize these players to do when they are Totally right to be nervous that any magic power could fall out of the sky at any given time. But between the cast, the potential 90 minute episodes, I would say we've also seen a significant uh, kind of uptick in the editing on Survivor. In recent years, not specific to the new era, but in, you know, the last four or five years thereabouts, I think the the editors have been trying a lot of new stuff that has been working really well, at least for me. I sincerely believe in my heart of hearts that the opportunity is absolutely there for the show to become literally better than it has ever been before. And it is merely a matter of game design. And I think that is largely merely a matter of jeff probst kind of changing his viewpoint about what makes for compelling survivor in the first place and my concern after just hearing jeff in various media outlets over the years and in particular this year on jeff probst is on fire is that he is just kind of numb to any sort of feedback from an average audience member because he's been in the game for so long. He's heard everything under the sun from all sorts of different kinds of people on the street that it really is going to require like Jimmy Fallon or Mike White or Tyler Perry to kind of get him to come to his senses. But I think that's at least a possibility. Uh, And so I, again, am just crossing my fingers that somehow uh, things coincide in such a way as to get us on the trajectory for this brighter timeline. But I definitely want to be clear that like, I think these brighter timelines absolutely exist and we could be kind of trial and erroring our way to some of the best seasons the show has ever seen. If we can kind of get these advantages in a more balanced slash controlled, whatever word you want to use kind of manner going forward. I think that's absolutely on the table.
1: I, the concern there with jeff though is that i think at this point he is lost in the source he is a true believer and uh the if this deluge of twist does not go down the way that he is expecting it to it can only be because we did not give them enough twist we did not make it exciting enough and we didn't push as hard on the pedal as we possibly can and so i worry that it just there, there's kind of no way back at this point i think it's hard for him to take his foot off the pedal and the idea of not not the bad basic season that a lot of uh, fans will, will clamor for or whatever, but even just the the rough baseline of uh twists or interference or what have you that we got in what would have been considered at the time new school uh like twist heavy eras of the show. I think even that maybe is unrealistic to uh hope for again at this point.
0: I, I mean I think you are quite likely to be right, but I think it's at least on the table that somehow some way something vital changes and going forward probably not season 45 but a couple seasons beyond that there is at least the possibility right, that we get a uh scaled back version of all the advantages and the the balance between that and the things that allow the players to actually play the game they've been waiting their whole life to play becomes a bit more healthy but let me ask you this i am of the opinion that and this is based on nothing as usual i have but i'm regardless of the opinion that jeff in a perfect world would see survivor go Till at least season 50. I feel like 50 is such a perfect kind of round number that once you've already made it to 44, how are you not going to try to push forward and hit 50 seasons of this show? My question is, assuming CBS, which may be a bad assumption, but assuming they would want to keep doing it for as long as Jeff and the producers want to keep doing it, do you think Jeff wants to go beyond season 50 or do you think he's just going to call it there like do you think jeff is going to be an alex trebek type where he wants to just roll it for as long as he can or do you feel like 50 is the likely kind of finishing point for survivor because i think that honestly could greatly inform the discussion about how likely it is that any kind of significant changes are made in the immediate future
1: well, we have featured uh, in our patron rewatch series uh, these seasons where it felt like Jeff was on the verge of quitting and almost rooting for this season in progress to fail, so that he could finally cut the cord and get back to you know his his talk show aspirations, which I, I guess those are off the table now, uh, or some other uh, project, and that he felt like Survivor had just kind of run its course. And so, if he was feeling that way in like in Gabon, right, in season 17, or various points around that timeline, then. The fact that he actually seems to have this genuine renewed interest for the show as of the mid '40s, in one sense, is encouraging. It shows that uh, he is not just phoning it in. He does feel that there is uh, more work to be done. But th- this is the, the tragedy of it all: is that the, the thing that has seemed to have sparked Jeff's renewed enthusiasm is the very thing that has me terrified for the future direction <laughs> of the show. And I almost, I almost would want a cynical jaded uh jeff who is like showing his age even more than he is currently and who uh is cl- clearly uh not at peace with the way things are going if it meant that what the game of survivor actually looked like was more in line with my own personal taste i, I will happily throw jeff uh, jeff under the bus if i can <laughs> get what i want there.
0: that's big of you dom uh, yeah, i yeah i mean i honestly could see it going either way i would not be surprised one bit if jeff and many others say we made it 50 seasons we've obviously got nothing left to prove at that point jeff is going to be in like his mid-60s which is shocking to think about considering he does not look uh, as old as at least according to wikipedia he is uh and i as usual of course believe wikipedia i uh, at the same time in just hearing him on the podcast you know he said it jokingly but i don't think he's necessarily wrong about this that like survivor is the thing that he has going on and obviously still seems to have a great deal of passion for the show and i wouldn't be surprised at all if he wants to for as long as he wants to stay on tv just keep doing survivor i and i would imagine at this point that cbs based on the current state of tv slash streaming options would be fairly happy to keep survivor on for as long as it's maintaining its same loyal audience that it has for as long as it has uh and is not you know somehow eating up a bunch of extra overhead uh for cbs like becoming more expensive for them to such an extent that they can't like justify continuing to do it i i I think it is basically 50 50 perhaps fittingly that it either ends with 50 or i goes for much much longer than that I, i but i do think that if jeff is in his mind thinking i'm gonna get to season 50 and then we're probably gonna wrap it up there i think that greatly diminishes the chances that any kind of like meaningful change is enacted along the lines that we've been discussing before that kind of uh benchmark is reached there whereas you know if if we're going to just keep banging these out for another decade plus i think there is obviously much more room for improvement over the long haul there i uh, i wanted to talk about just there's for let me just say there there's so much from jeff propse is on fire that i have uh thoughts about that we we just simply do not have time for today and a day may come where we go through Uh, and talk about this more specifically, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on a couple of things that I think are kind of opposite ends of a spectrum but go very much hand-in-hand and could perhaps be greatly informative into how we kind of got to the place that we have gotten to, and that is Jeff talking about uh, advantages, as he often does on those episodes, saying a couple of things that really stood out to me. And on one hand, we have him talking about how in many cases they start with the outcome that they want some advantage to help them arrive at and then they kind of work backwards to figure out how to craft the advantage to get them that outcome that they want so for instance i would say the hourglass was a pretty obvious byproduct of this of we want to pull the bait and switch on people how do we implement some sort of twist that looks like it's going to be a decision slash advantage, but it obviously just plays itself and it gets us what we want. And then on the other side of that, kind of the opposite of reverse engineering from the outcome they want. He also said some advantages just start as a name. Like we, I I may be making this up, but I want to say that knowledge is power is one that began as, Hey, we really like the idea of an advantage called this, now, what is that advantage going to be? Uh, Dom, I don't know if you've even listened to that much of Jeff Probst is on fire, but uh, do either of those things stand out to you? Because at least to me, in hearing both of them, I was kind of grimacing. I, I get Again, I get where they're coming from, and I, I fully grant that they have nothing but the best of intentions but the process and sorry for using that word so many times here just seems so deeply flawed uh, on both ends of that spectrum
1: i think the second one offends me intuitively less than it does for you because i think that's just a pretty common thing in game design actually is maybe you're out of ideas immediately so you say okay well let's let's go in the other direction here what, what if we start with just a thing that sounds cool and then what does that cool sounding thing look like in practice and you you go that direction as opposed to here's an idea what what label do we slap on it so that one is fair enough as long as the idea itself is fair enough and that's where the the issue uh comes into play i think the the broader idea of how do we work backwards from this thing to get what we want when it's so transparent, the way that the hourglass is, for example, where that's you, you can do all you like to frame it as, well, that's a that that's a twist, that's this big momentous decision, that's that's Erica changing history. No, that's just a lie. We we all knew what was going to happen there. Erica, I, for as much as she played along and you know uh, did her bit to say uh, and to give the quote for the episode that, oh god, I don't know what I'm going to do. Am I going to change history? She knew what was going to happen. Everyone would have done the same thing in her spot. So w- why are we dressing this up to be something that it isn't? I would almost rather you didn't waste my time and not my intelligence and just outright pulled the bait and switch on them, as opposed to going through all of this elaborate uh, con. And I think, like we, you heard that uh, Danny just basically called Jeff out on this, right? He said, "Well, you, look, we won, and now you're telling us we didn't win. That's what this is. That's a lie. That's not that's not anything else. You can call it whatever you like." And I think he as well, if if they had said, "Okay, this is a twist. You thought you won, now you didn't." I don't think he would have been pleased about it, but it would be easier to stomach than, uh, oh, wow, you're part of Survivor History, guys, but history is also being uh, rewritten in the process. Isn't that amazing? Like, no, it's not.
0: (laughs) Right, right. I, I mean, I think literally what they had in mind was essentially like a challenge where you actually get punished for winning in practical terms, but it would just be too egregious if directly after the challenge ends, Jeff says, hey, blue team wins psych you guys actually lose you don't get immunity you're going to be the ones vulnerable at the vote they they present it as a choice someone else made and hey you could have swapped out for that person and you could have made this choice yourself as if the players would have had any fucking reason to do that in the moment like it's beyond insulting to act like they're not in spirit just immediately pulling the bait and switch as soon as the challenge is over i uh, and and you know the hourglass is i'm sure among the most kind of obviously contentious choices we could have made for the example to use well, as an illustration here but I, I yeah
1: i actually think the hourglass is part of this family of twists where i think you could say the very authentic fake idols which also look the same as a different type of real idol from this season i think those are peas of the same part because uh once you you cross that line you can't really ever go back again and once this has happened the first time no one who is participating on the season can ever take that thing whether it's just the challenge or the event of the mode itself or the authenticity of an idol that they find even if it seems to have the right accoutrements on it if you can't ever take that at face value anymore, well, people are going to react accordingly, and you may, like, may not like the way that they react, but this is exactly what you've primed them to do and given them a reason to do by crossing that Rubicon the way that you did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, with, with the Hourglass, if if people just don't seem visibly excited about the merge challenge or trying to win the merge challenge or anything like that, in, in a way, like we, we've seen Jeff's reaction to throwing challenges just as a concept really evolve over the course of uh, survivor's lifespan where initially this was th- this was the greatest act of like moral outrage you could possibly commit and that that deserved to have you banished to uh, uh, survivor Exile in its own right and over over time that changed into this is actually a strategic move which is also good tv if people are either Really good at throwing the challenge, or very ostentatiously throwing the challenge, making it obvious to the people who are going home. And so you could see Jeff, as producer, eventually like licking his lips and thinking, "Okay, okay, there, there's something here." The the worst of all possible worlds is the thing in between, where people just are visibly apathetic about the outcome of the challenge because they don't know what the outcome means. Mm-hmm. Where like. If people are excited to win, great. If people are excited to lose because they have some wider agenda, also great. If people just don't give a shit, that is the worst place you can arrive at. And the way that they did that in that case, that was the only way you could have arrived at. There was no other way that you could have uh, accidentally sapped the... Organic thrill and excitement of just getting to the merge, getting to play, getting to compete for someone like Danny. And they almost went out of their way to find a way to do that to him.
0: So I think Mergatory is actually, you know, setting aside the hourglass, I didn't put a ton of thought into this, I'll be honest. But when I was trying to think about like the kind of litmus test that I would be looking for to see how, if at all, the production mentality kind of changes over the course of the new era. I really think Murgatory might be one of the places to be looking in terms of if they're leaning even harder into risk and reward, and you got to earn everything you do and uh, pre merge. I think like punishing the tribe that loses, I think is stupid and is something that should and potentially could change down the line and would be another interesting litmus test. Like that whole sort of like Jeff having i'm struggling to come up with a way of describing it unfortunately like that kind of jeff think i feel like is all kind of rooted rooted in the same sort of fundamental idea of what in his mind makes for compelling survivor as a game and compelling tv for the audience and i think showing up to some future season and no longer having mergatory not just because i personally dislike it but i I think that is a tell uh for lack of a better term that jeff's mind may be changing on certain things and that is what i am looking for because i think to me it's not a matter of oh we're trying some things and some will work and some won't to me it is a fundamental mentality kind of i uh, shift from jeff in recent years that for my money and again i am i'm in no way trying to suggest that I know better about how survivors should function than Jeff Probst himself, who is the literal showrunner and has been with them for twenty, you know, since day one for twenty plus years. Uh but I I feel like I'm not alone in not being super in love with a lot of the kind of baseline assumptions Jeff seems to be making these days about what is or is not compelling TV and when i talk about the idea of getting through this perhaps kind of midlife crisis era of the show and seeing a light at the end of the tunnel if a couple changes are made it's that sort of thing that i am talking about when i say like the the changes that i'm looking for it's that kind of mentality from jeff that it seems like he kind of invented a lot of over the course of their break between winners at war and 41 and it's just a matter of if he's eventually gonna back down from that but i let me but,
1: the, the, sorry, the thing ahead. is is i i'm not saying that jeff's ideas are all bad by any means is that no, neither am i Ge- just to be at, clear we know yeah but at, at this point is that jeff is the only voice in the room who matters when it comes to which of those ideas make it to print effectively and the only like it, it, he has the angel on his shoulder, to borrow a very tortured survivor metaphor. But the there's no like countervailing devil on his shoulder, other than his own voice, who like just just spoke to Tyler Perry, just spoke to Mike White, and they put the bug in his ear, and now he's like uh, just uh, he's out arguing his former self or whatever. There's no if he was going back and forth with other producers who had as much authority and who could veto any of any of these more outlandish ideas. That would be one thing. Uh, so, in one sense, I would rather have a Jeff Probst uh, helping me to produce my show than a Jonathan Lepaglia, for example, who seems like who is a very like good host, but he seems like that's all he is and all he wants to be. And I don't know how much like creative input he could have if you had him in the room there. But the problem is that there's no putting a lid on Jeff's creative output. Like that is just the show at this point. (laughs) It's not part of the equation. It is the equation.
0: Yeah. And I will say uh, I very much like both Brittany and Jay, the co-hosts on Jeff Probst is on fire. But if the production meetings are much like that podcast, that does leave me a bit nervous where, you know, for very understandable reasons, I'm sure everyone in that production room is basically living out a dream by being involved on Survivor production and doesn't want to do anything to jeopardize that. But I feel like on the podcast, which, again, I'm sure is not exactly like things are in real life, and there is much more of a back and forth behind the scenes than there is on air. But like at least as far as what I've heard on the podcast, virtually all of it is the other two and again, I say this greatly enjoying what they do and I uh, not meaning to take anything away from their actual role and what they bring to Survivor itself, but there is a lot of, like, gleefully agreeing with everything Jeff says, and it makes me very nervous that that is a lot like what the production room may be as well. And, like, along similar lines, I by no means I am attempting to even begin to, like, Speak on behalf of Josh Wiggler here, great friend of the podcast, legendary survivor, kind of reporter back in the day. But it is not lost on me, and I have to, to be very, very clear about this. I have not heard one word from Josh about this, and this is just my own speculation. But like that guy is the eternal optimist. His job was covering this show. He got to go out on location. He put in a crazy amount of effort and did amazing stuff for such a long time but it really did seem to me like the more time he spent seeing firsthand how the sausage was made the less and less open he seemed to the prospect of things changing for the better down the line and it got to the point where like not only does he not cover the show anymore i think he's back into watching this season but i mean he outright stopped watching survivor after spending enough time around like the survivor production office and that i think is not exactly uh, a good sign in in terms of the state of how likely things are to change
1: yeah it does not uh fill you with confidence and to, to go back to the, the podcast hosts, they are there because they are going to gleefully agree right. and encourage whatever Jeff is saying. It's not You that, can that take some notes, only...
0: Dom. Why don't you agree with me more? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, it, 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 if they weren't... It, this isn't to say that is the only skill they have. It's that that is their role on the show, and they are doing their job successfully in as far as they are being boosters for Jeff and his approach to producing Survivor. Like, there's most media like that, like official show media that's what it is it is there's nothing adversarial about it nothing that is meant to be challenging in any sense of the word it just is what it is it is the voice of the show yeah um so you take that for for what it's worth
0: right yeah uh and i yeah and i don't mean to diminish what the work that i'm sure they do that is very solid on the actual show itself um i want to return to the birdcage of it all because i think there is a lot going into this and i think this is a good example of something where like some relatively slight tweaks a few of which you've already flagged up that i thought were very interesting i could have gone a very long way in making this a lot more compelling than at least for my money it ended up being i the biggest thing from the birdcage of it all though dom is the like production made fake idols and the impact that that is going to have on future seasons and again as i feel as i hope at least has come through to this point i certainly see where they are coming from and why they would talk themselves into the way they did it being a good idea but i for my money not only was your concept of the key to a different team's birdcage is on your beach and you have to go to a different beach to to unlock your birdcage i think that's one very compelling way of doing this pre-merge. I I personally, my my thought was, I thought the Birdcage would be perfect to put in at the merge, where it's all one big team. And I think like one of the major undoings of this, and it remains to be seen how this is going to play out, but like to me, something I feel like could have very easily been flagged up ahead of time is when we're doing this same thing on all three beaches, much like the goofy phrases used to unlock idols over... 41 and 42 the returns on having a fake idol that comes with the real idol in the bird birdcage is going to be greatly diminished by the fact that at least one or two people on all three of the beaches are going to know that that is the situation by the time we arrive at the merge and furthermore as we saw play out on that i think it was the yellow team pre-merge everybody ended up knowing that okay the birdcage means it's an idol and a fake idol, and now all of us know that. Going forward, I will be floored, Dom, if there's virtually anyone left in the game at this point after six episodes who is not aware of the fact that the Birdcage came with fake idols. And I feel like that is like the Birdcage for anyone not in the know, which I'm guessing is most people. I would I would guess that this is directly taken from the genius this is very very similar to something that happened on season a twist that was in play on season two of the genius that worked to tremendous effect uh without getting into any kind of explicit spoilers but the vital part of that was that only the person who opened the birdcage uh it was not a literal birdcage there but opened the safe on the genius knew that there was a fake idol made that by the producers that came with the actual idol. Uh, and so I feel like the way all of this has been implemented in the first place and played out in practice was among the worst case scenarios for how a twist with very, very significant legs in the grand scheme of things were it implemented slightly differently could have actually gone here and the the biggest question i have is what becomes of fake idols in the future and not only even fake idols at this point like of course no one would be smart to trust any idol as being verifiably true that they did not find themselves they now have to be at the point on future seasons wondering if Even an idol that clearly was made by the producers and clearly came with producer-made paperwork saying, congratulations, you found a hidden immunity idol. Not even those can be counted on to be real by the person who found it uh, in in seasons going forward. like To me, this has gone so far off the deep end that I, I have to imagine there will be some sort of scaling back in the future, but it feels like there's still going to be lasting effects for a long time of people just being way more nervous than is good for the game about everything pertaining to idols going forward to such an extent that I feel like, once again, we return to the idea of, I get where they were coming from, but it seems like in practice, this is going to have the exact opposite of the intended effect.
1: And with this, uh, they are meddling with something that, at this point, is a core part of what Survivor is in just idols and, I guess, by extension, fake idols. Whereas, to, to go back to the, the fire token example, let's say, let's say you try fire tokens for a few seasons, you decide, okay, this isn't panning out, but we we've came we came up with this idea, which we couldn't actually do, probably, if we thought fire tokens were here to stay, because there would be this kind of integrity issue, where once the cat is out of the bag, you just can't trust the core concept ever again, if we know we're only doing five tokens for one more season, hey, let's go out with a swing. Let's do that. And that can be a, a nice big thing where we, we get the upside and don't have to suffer with the downside. Here, though, the downside is the the hidden immunity idol, like one of the, the core twists over the course of 30 seasons of Survivor, doesn't have the same integrity that it used to and that, that is a big risk to take and I, I think there is potential for a lot of really fun short-term mischief with these uh fake idols on this season I haven't seen that yet I'm sure we will once we get to the merge but this is where once you have that and you also have shot in the dark and you have uh missing votes extra votes uh we had the inheritance advantage which uh, I think it was Sarah was voted out with right never got a chance to use but when you have all this other stuff, This one big thing, which could be uh, one of the things the season is remembered for, is going to be just one on a laundry list of twists, which all kind of blur together in the end, unless it really exceeds expectations. Yeah, Um,
0: I I think there is a lot going on in the capacity of sacrificing some vital long-term elements in exchange for a short-term payoff for this one particular week. And I think they're justifying it in their minds of like, well we can just keep coming up with new ways to justify one week payoffs and that'll be fine and that's just what the show is these days uh we'll see what becomes of the fake idols and how they are uh, interpreted by players in the future but i am guessing that any player on 45 or i don't know 45 has even filmed yet i i'm very out of the loop on like the schedule and everything but anyone who has seen this season who is playing survivor anytime soon I would at least hope is gonna be historically skeptical skeptical about any idol they are not only shown but any idol that they find themselves outside of like the first couple hours of day one I uh, there there should certainly be some eyebrows raised way up I uh, no matter how real it could possibly look i uh, one other thing, Dom, as far as the the twists we've actually seen play out on this season that I think could be interesting, and I, I think this may be... I, I don't know if it's conclusively a, a good thing or a bad thing, but I'm, I'm, I'm able to find ways to talk myself into this having like an interesting effect on future seasons. It very much seems to me like one person from each team going on a journey with other people from the other teams is a lasting thing that is here to stay, at least for as long as we're in Fiji uh, and we have this gorgeous mountain that we can use for this exact... And the sanctuary and so forth. Now that we've seen a situation where the three people who went ended up never going back to their original tribes and they got blindsided by like a a mini swap or for, for lack of a better term there, I could see there now being some increased reluctance to to be the person going off on the journey to take your shot at what at as far as i remember every point leading up to this was basically a not a free roll you certainly stood to lose your vote or lose something else potentially along the way but a very good chance at getting something that might help you within the game and the the risk and reward element is yeah but your tribe is going to know that you might have something now do you feel like this journey island mini swap is a significant difference maker in just the future of people wanting or not wanting to go off on those journeys cuz i i think it could have some interesting ripple effects
1: down the line i hope it does cuz yeah that that unanimous desire to go at the moment i think you want there to be a little more hesitancy about that a little more doubt i wouldn't mind if the thing they have to do together on the island is more adversarial. If it's instead of, eh, you, you could argue the thing where like uh, I'm forgetting the actual name of it now, but where okay, you 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 play some kind of game theory dilemma and then uh, you you think I'll spin based on that 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 has a an adversarial element to it, but something that is more explicitly just like okay there's a bag of rice here. One of you is walking away with it. Go nuts, right? Like, maybe not, like, fight over it, but you you see what I'm saying here. Like, some actual hard negotiation where you, you're going to see people maybe make enemies rather than make friends going forward, uh, which is all it has been until this point. I think that would be welcome. I think that would actually spice it up as opposed to, you know, th- this is a part of the show where we are going to the island. You know what's going to happen for the next five minutes.
0: Right. I-, I think Journey Island has a huge amount of potential in terms of allowing for pre-merge intermingling of people from different tribes. And there is a virtually uncapped amount of room to play as producers with how you want to implement that. And it's like heartbreaking to me that so often it is the case that they kind of like say hi to each other and there there've certainly been times where specifically in like 41 in particular stands out to me as like that was really compelling stuff uh when the people would go off to Journey Island and actually have like hard hitting conversations with each other and be negotiating who's gonna get which advantage you know, who's gonna turn the wheel or not and Shan and Liana are having a, a big bonding moment over there. It, like, it is it, one of the best things the, the new era has going for it, I would say, is that option being on the table. And it is it saddens me greatly that it seems like, at least on the TV episodes, and I get the sense that it's a lot like this in the game as well, it is largely there as pe- a, a means for which people can kind of get to know each other to some extent but they all know the scoop of what is going to happen and one two or three of them are about to come away with advantages and it's far less about allowing for that super vital in my opinion opportunity for mingling between tribes and far more about this is our latest method to drop several potentially advantages into the game in one round rather than just scattering them around camp i think journey island being primarily a vehicle for that sort of advantage stuff as opposed to the social slash political kind of stuff that could otherwise be going on under different circumstances is one of the easiest and most obvious kind of areas where there is a ton of room for significant improvement if they just make some slight tweaks Mm -hmm. yeah Uh, Okay, so I think, Dom, at this point, let's start talking about some of the actual people on this season and whatever else comes up down the line. I'm guessing they're, you know, in talking about specific people, we will probably be jogging our memories a bit on some of the things that have unfolded to this point. So feel free to uh, reopen the can of worms as things pertain to just advantages in game design in general. But uh, we're, you know, we're already over an hour into this. Let's dive in to some of these names that we've been seeing for the last month and a half here. And I will say, I think the place we have to start, and I don't even know what answer you're going to give me here, and I'm dying to find out, is with Carolyn. Dom, where are you on Carolyn?
1: I, I have become a believer. I, I'm all in on Carolyn, and I was not expecting to be at first i from the, the first episode i was worried okay well clearly clearly carolyn is going to be the character of the season and i don't know how i feel about that just yet it turns out that i think you are going to have to enjoy carolyn to enjoy this season uh the way that it's uh, played out so far and so far i enjoy carolyn so uh uh thumbs up on that front
0: yeah i'm on i think a very similar page to you uh i for what i don't even remember the last time i looked at a cast prior to premiere night Uh, i i certainly saw plenty of them popping up on twitter and so forth but i have very happy i I think ghost island was the first time i did it and i've never gone back since i i go in i i love going in just totally cold on premiere night not knowing virtually anything about any of the people obviously carolyn was a, a standout straight away and i took a little bit I would say to to truly warm up to her to the extent that I have. Not that I disliked her at first, but uh, I, I was certainly underrating how much she could bring to the show, both as a character and as a player, for sure, uh, during the first, like, maybe week or two. But it did not take that long for me to, like you, find myself very much enjoying everything that Carolyn's been bringing to the show this season i and i i agree with your analysis by the way that i think that's going to be a a pretty vital part of how much anyone enjoys this season at least to to this point is how much they enjoy carolyn and it seems like now that she's at the merge that will probably continue to be the case for quite some time Uh, i i think carolyn is in a very good spot as things stand right now i not only from a audience perspective of she's very entertaining and i want more of her but also from a game perspective uh, i think basically the number one key as far as i've been able to tell in the new era is being game savvy but not coming across that way at first glance and i think she fits that mold to a t on top of just being one of the best actual tv characters certainly of the new era if not like literally ever but i think very vitally she to this point has been more or less written off by most of the people still in the game i think it's the case that no one uh knows about her idol other than her and again like based on what we have seen out of the new era i don't know what more you can ask for other beyond like being the person who does have a decent if not great head for the game who no one views that way until the very end like last couple of days i would say is like the first time that you want people to be taking you seriously as a player in any season that is just this degree of overloaded with idols and advantages and randomness Uh, i I feel like carolyn is very well situated going forward and i am 100 percent here for it Mm -hmm. yeah uh along similar lines dom i know he had his back up against the wall to some extent this week and maybe this is more wishful thinking on my part but i am absolutely in love with jam jam i want him to be my best friend i i want to see him on a bunch more survivor seasons going forward he is at the risk of being hyperbolic one of my favorite people that they've had on, certainly in recent years, if not like all time. I think this dude's energy is beyond infectious. I love it every time he's on the screen. I love that when Scally does his tweet every week about Jam Jam will not be the x person voted off on Survivor, Jam Jam himself now quote tweets it with whatever number of jams it is for the So, like this week, it was six jams uh just quote tweeting scally about how he's excited that he's still on the show dom are you going to give me the edgelord take that you actually don't like jam jam or are you a normal human being
1: I- i'm i'm tired just listening to you describe it i mean I- i'm already over the jam jam or possibly yam yam experience heard it both ways i just uh <laughs> i i know that he and karen are something of a uh duo at this point i i don't know i i'm not feeding him the way i am oh, okay
0: i am not surprised but am deeply disappointed to hear that i'm sorry for framing the question in terms of you not being a normal human being if you don't like jam jam i'm sure there are many others out there uh who are not stand stands the way i am i'm not sure if that's gonna stick but i'm i'm floating it out there i uh, i guess we're just gonna have to agree to disagree along these lines because i am absolutely here for as much jam jam content as they want to give me this season uh i mean let me take your temperature then on the third member of the original tika tribe to make it thus this far where are you on carson
1: ah uh, i feel like carson is the the pure distillation if that's makes sense of a survivor archetype that has really worn thin at this point like if you put carson on a season 10-15 years ago, then, or seasons ago, or maybe years ago as well, then there, there may have been something novel there, as it is, on, on a season and in an era where literally everyone is a Survivor superfan, and this is part of the issue I have with the approach to casting, is that even though it's leading to some good, uh, some good results, people who are really invested, who really want to play hard, I do think you need some recruits who just like aren't overexcited to see Jeff, and this is the best thing that's ever happened to them. Who, if they they take a swing and they miss and they go home uh, pre-merge, this isn't going to devastate them and be the the worst psychological blow in their lives. It's going to be oh well that sucks. On to the next thing. I think you need some amount of that to to keep things engaging. Um, but for Carson, it's like okay, yeah, you're the super fan. Yeah, you know everything there's to know about Survivor. You 3D printed all of the puzzles. We've kind of s- seen that before. We bought the T-shirt, bought one of Carson's T-shirts. Potentially, uh, I just don't know what what original there is to say about Carson, really.
0: I mean, I I'm not gonna hold it against him that there have been other people in this archetype before. Like I still I still think there's plenty of room for someone like Carson to be a compelling character on Survivor. And for the record, but, but is he?
1: is he though as a thing so so
0: someone like carson being perhaps the operative word there. so i don't dislike carson by any stretch i at the risk of being blocked on twitter for saying this i i do think he tries a bit hard uh in a number of different respects but i think the try hard kind of attitude is exactly what got him that blowout puzzle win last week and incidentally you know i am not one in general to berate people for studying puzzles. I think that's a very smart heads up play. uh, And people like Carson should be rewarded for doing that sort of thing for as long as the producers, or, or I guess maybe it's John Kirhoff or the challenge director continues to leave the door open for that sort of thing being such a free pass to just print money. Basically it is nuts that that still works. I mean, it's seven and a half years since spencer memorized the puzzle in cambodia and it's at least a couple coming up on a couple years since evie announced yeah i i don't know if it's 3d printed but like i practiced that exact puzzle Mm. at home they obviously have known that this sort of thing is going on we've seen the dragon puzzle exactly the same a million times we've seen the tree puzzle i'm sure carson's got all of these memorized you know the circular puzzle that comes in like three different bags and you have to do it around the the outside of the circle like all of these aren't just like repeated types of puzzles the pieces are exactly the same every single time it is yes. crazy to me that that is still the case
1: seven years since you won that challenge for spencer uh so you please feel free to pat yourself on the back once again uh for that but when that happened that was so notable because that just wasn't a thing that people did or that was done. It was a, a glitch in how Survivor was meant to operate almost. And likewise, when Kevin Martin pushed that to the absolute extreme by just memorizing and practicing and then solving all of the challenges as much as he possibly could on BBCAN to just like completely dominate the challenges in BBCan five, like that was an incredibly impressive achievement that should not have been possible and the moment he did it should never be possible ever again like that should be right that that should be a sign uh, loud and clear that something uh has to change and so yeah when when spencer uh wins that challenge by just like doing doing the work and doing that in advance good for him and that that in itself is an impressive moment and then for the very next season you have a stern talk with your challenge department and say okay clearly we need to add some more variety to this But instead, they tacked as hard as possible in the other direction to the point where now, I would say, the same way that you say every podcast we do, that if you aren't practicing fire at home before you go out there and mastering how to make fire, what are you doing? You clearly don't want it enough. I would say, if you're not making some mock-up of one of these tree challenges and practicing that yourself, what are you doing? Like, you know this is going to be on the test, so why aren't you revising for it? Um, And the fact that you, you go from uh the the spencer bledsoe uh, kevin martin collection the matrix to this being just a thing that you're expected to do and when you do it like carson can boast about it himself in the context of the episode and the show in the course of the show itself is like praising him for doing that and rewarding him for paying enough attention to the show survivor i hate every second of that all of that is just it really grinds my gears uh i want it to be like at, at the very least if there's a challenge that's going to be on every season, have it be, like, one of these epic tug-of-war challenges, or endurance challenges, where you're you're carrying the snake on your shoulders around the, the water pit, or one well, of these things where, okay, you can get your buddies in your backyard and practice tug-of-war, but you can't, there's nothing that compares to being out there in the moment, in the mud, and, like, having to to really grind that out. Uh, like, have that be the kind of a uh, survivor challenge that is there every single time. And so, when, when Carson does this, I don't hate him for doing that, because He's doing what he should do and what he's expected to do. But the same way that when we get to Tribal, which is all about these awful analogies now, you can rely on Carson to pop up with some awful analogy, which he has to do to get any airtime because uh, castaways from this new era have said Jeff will just go down the line. And the easiest way to get Jeff to stop asking you things is to come up with some analogy. And also, when Jeff is asking his questions, he will explicitly uh, want it to be put, he, he wants answers in the form of, a, of an analogy because that is a a soundbite moment that they can work in easily. Like, okay, Carson knows that. He's smart enough to know that. He's smart enough to do it. But I can still be annoyed at him for it, because he's not bringing anything else to the table that I find interesting. So, yeah, if Carolyn was being just her her truly wonderful self in every other part of the show, but then, uh, you know, putting in her hours when it comes to giving analogies to Tribal, that's fine. When it's Carson, who feels like he is just... Everything we've seen before from his archetype, and also he's now doing everything he's expected to do. I, to me, I, maybe this is unfair. I feel like he's kind of complicit in what I hate about the show nowadays. I,
0: I see where you're coming from. I just have a hard time begrudging him for that line of thinking when that line of thinking is working so well at getting him on the show. In the like, essentially pandering to what he knows Jeff wants because he has done his homework. I and jeff never changes the problems <laughs> where i i have a hard time faulting people for going that route uh at the same time i don't think your gripe about it is necessarily invalid there uh but
1: okay. I... here's a sharper edge way of putting it maybe when when carson is gushing about how much he loves survivor and how he 3d printed these puzzles to practice at home i want someone on the cast to very visibly be like well that that's a bit weird mate that's that's a lot of like what what is wrong with you i I want people who are pushing back against survivor being like this totally transformative life-altering experience that is the only thing you should care about uh and i want some like anti carsons on the show along with the Carsons, if that's the kind of uh, balance we need in the universe
0: okay we'll we'll see what becomes of that i i mean as as far as casting in general is concerned I definitely disagree with uh, the idea that we need to bring in a lot more people who don't really care that much and don't really know what's going on. I've always been like hard out on that sort of person being included on the show, especially in modern times. And I, it seems like the new casting director of the last few years is more in line with my school of thought. And I feel like at least the show has uh, benefited tremendously from leaning very hard in that direction. But it it may certainly reach the the point of saturation uh, where they start going back the other direction. To me, I'm just like so traumatized by seasons full of people who have no real interest in winning and just want to go far and just basically enable people into making very boring seasons of survivor because they just want to stay in the majority and don't care at all about coming in first place they just want to not be out tonight uh in, in any event i uh, dom where are you on our first showmance in quite some time dom we have matt and franny here really hitting it off are you a fan of either of them
1: I'm into just the idea of having a showmaster again. That's a, a fun uh, novel twist at this point. I'm here for Manny. Do, do we have an official uh, portmanteau yet?
0: Uh, I feel like I've heard Frankenship being tossed around, which I thought was pretty <laughs> okay, good. Okay, okay. Th- that,
1: that relies on you knowing Matt's surname, but I guess context clues help you piece that together. Uh, sure. I, I'm, and also I'm the fact it. that
0: there were three other people on this season named Matt or Maddie or Matthew or <laughs> whatever, and so sure. last names were very commonly used. <laughs>
1: Yes, yes. Uh, all, all of that is uh, very good points. I like them. Uh, specifically, I like Franny. I I like Matt, but he, he's the type of person who is so outwardly and strongly anxious about things that it makes me anxious watching him, and so I would rather <laughs> just not do that. Um, and, and it feels like, so far, his storyline is very much, I am this hyper-anxious person, and also, where did my vote go? I don't have a vote. And just being uh, smitten with Fanny, um, whereas I, I don't know how much that's really reciprocated. I mean, she seems to be enjoying it so far, but it would not shock me if uh, we get some con- some generic confession or to the extent of I think Matt's uh, more into me than I am into him. I'm playing him, uh, you know, all, all love for him as a person, of course, but in this game, blah 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 blah. Um, I-, I think we might see something on the order of Fanny cutting Matt and Matt being kind of a. Taken aback by that, but handling it in the way that literally every single Blindside is handled on Survivor these days, which is with uh, you know more grace than actually makes for entertaining TV. Uh, but yeah, I, I think that I, I'm I'm in so far. I like Fanny a lot. I relate to matt more than i want to but i also don't want to watch him because of that and then yeah i think that's my verdict so far
0: okay well we have i feel like a lot of deep-seated psychological issues we could unpack there uh but we, we will save that for a different podcast
1: yeah get uh, get uh, eddie from last on the hook we can work through uh, all of this
0: yes uh i really really like both matt and Freddie, and this showman's in particular i feel like uh for the most part in the history of survivor showmances and i'm sure there are exceptions but cut me some slack i feel like this one really stands out to me in the context of two people who even after very much hitting it off with someone uh, and both perhaps feeling strong even potentially uh like romantic feelings towards them they're still mostly there to like overwhelmingly there to play the game and the showmance just kind of happened and it's awesome and it's fun but one way or another i'm here because i love survivor and that's my ultimate goal and i feel like not only uh is that more entertaining tv i also feel like that's like just a healthier perspective to have on survivor than a lot of the showmances we've seen in the past where it's like oh, I found this person that I really hit it off with, and now I no longer even really care about Survivor. I just want to hang out with them all day, and whatever happens in the game happens. Uh, and as long as I get to either be on the island with them or at Ponderosa with them, that's equally fine with me. I, 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 this is as, as someone who was rarely a fan of many showmances as they happened over the years... Uh, this one definitely rings a lot differently to me in a very positive way overall. Uh, And on top of all that, I very much like both Matt and Franny uh, as players, as characters. I think they strike me, at least, as the types that I would love to see on a season that had more room to play. I feel like they are... I could be wrong about this, but they they very much give me big time kind of like mover and shaker vibes uh, under different circumstances where they're not constantly and very correctly paranoid about idols, advantages, whatever, just chopping their head off with no notice whatsoever. Uh, These are the exact kind of people in both cases that I would love to see uh, on any season of Survivor now or in the future. I I am a big time fan of both Matt and Frenny independently and also as a unit uh dom along similar lines i would say not only are the kind of showmance duos more interesting to me this time around i mean the average player is just more interesting to me this time around but i would also say the muscly guys are far more interesting to me this time around than they ever previously were i'm talking about both danny and brandon I feel like, are very compelling Survivor players who just happen to be absolutely shredded, as opposed to shredded guys who just happen to be on Survivor, which I feel like we got for the the bulk of 20 years.
1: Yes, and this is where I I know the recent trend is to say, Australian Survivor has ruined U.S. for me. It's better in every single way. Uh, It can't even compare at this stage. One thing that I think U.S. Survivor reliably does better than Australian Survivor at this point, is making the the big Shredder guys also be interesting. And they're, like, they're not just the meat tray. They, they have a lot more to bring to the table. Whereas, on the average Australian Survivor season, uh, you, you occasionally get, like, the, the Lockies and the Davids and the Lukes and uh, those guys who also are great TV and great players. Are there no more Lockies? <laughs> not, uh, not at this stage, but hopefully he can make a return to our screen before too long. Uh, and that show can make a return to this podcast feed before too long as well. Whenever um,
0: you're ready, I, I'm I'm here for it.
1: You, you want to throw down? Okay, let's go. Uh, but, I mean, I shouldn't say that given that you have rinsed me the last few times that we have <laughs> that we played that, but I, I, I want to redeem myself at some point. In any case, the, the point I was gesturing towards was that yeah, a lot of the time on Australian Survivor you have these guys who are Six foot four, rippling muscles, uh, can't string a sentence together, or sometimes they can, and yet the show just completely buries them anyway, and they clearly are there to just be like background furniture. Um, and US Survivor really seems to have conclusively moved past that, so that's uh, really welcome to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think both of these guys have been really, really fun thus far. I, obviously, you know, now that the merge has rolled around, I'm guessing the target on their back is going to increase pretty significantly and we'll see what becomes of them uh but i've been very much enjoying both danny and brandon to this point uh dom as our chief canadian correspondent how are you feeling about kane
1: Uh, ah kane's a character on the season uh kind of of like what i see so far pretty understated i suppose i the the, the thing that really stands out is that hinky vote for brandon i mean brandon has not got over that (laughs) and the thing i know most about kane is oh god kane got himself in hot water doing that uh and was learning that with Carson a bit sure fine uh what what else is there What, what am I missing
0: so I have been very much enjoying Kane not only as a character but as kind of this like as far as I can tell hapless victim who keeps finding himself in these weird spots through no real fault of his own like that Brandon vote it seems like he didn't even want to do that, but then just kind of got roped into it because he thought that's what everyone else was doing. And then no one else even voted, <laughs> and so he just kind of got like hung out to dry there. Uh, and then he had his back up against his wa- against the wall this past week at Murgatory, but made his way through that. You know, it seems like he's been enjoying the immunity idols and nerding out with Carson to some extent. And I know that this is going to be meaningless to you, and probably very meaningless to most of the people hearing me right now. I am an enormous fan, Dom, as you at least know in passing of a Canadian show called Letterkenny. And he looks at least a bit like one of the guys from Letterkenny. And now uh, that's like what I've seen this whole time in watching Kane play Survivor is I'm in my mind, half of what I'm seeing is Derry from Letterkenny playing Survivor, which I'm sure has like greatly increased my enjoyment of of kane overall i uh, and again uh, apologies to the overwhelming supermajority of you who have no frame of reference there you should uh take some time and watch some Letterkenny, or at least give it a look sometime but uh it's available on hulu for anyone interested i though have had a great time with what i have actually gotten to see from kane he hasn't been one of the more visible characters but i am completely here for a world where kane after being in at least moderately hot water this last week and we'll see what becomes of that going forward i would be all about a world where kane becomes this kind of like wild card rogue agent going forward because at least to me it seems like he's got if he is no longer uh a target anytime soon or just the the victim of some kind of crazy twist that happens i feel like kane has a lot of room to play going forward i don't know how often i i am necessarily seeing many timelines where like kane is going to be the winner of this season but i think a kane deep run is at least on the table and i would be very much into seeing what would become of that i i feel like he's been a very fun character thus far uh and the only other people that uh actually no there are a few others that we haven't talked about now that i'm looking through this list you got any thoughts on jamie thus far
1: I do not like Jamie. She feels like she is meant to be this very hateable character, and uh, i sure, sure enough, uh, I'm buying what they're selling. I, I'm not in for uh, for Jamie.
0: Wow. Okay, so I did not know that she was supposed to be coming across that way. I have not interpreted her that way, and I don't know that I've heard too many others uh, being super low on Jamie and the kind of presentation of her on the show. So i to to make a potentially inaccurate comparison of what you're describing and a comparison i know will not resonate with the majority of people hearing us from the perspective of kind of made on the show to be disliked to some extent do you mean in like an angelina way
1: kind of i I think angelina was more of a caricature but with jamie uh she embodies a stereotype uh you know the kind of like crunchy uh yoga gal or whatever i i don't think you're meant to like on the show when it comes up and it's not an archetype i gravitate towards in general so uh i I guess i'm just going with instinct and also with my instructions on this one
0: okay so i mean i guess to me i just read that as more authentic that is that is legitimately how she views herself and that's how they're going to portray her on the show and uh, while i certainly in real life am deeply skeptical of uh, a lot of people in that kind of mold i i've personally been liking jamie uh, i to be honest i wish i had more negative things to say about at least someone in this cast i uh, what do you think about just in general the lack of villains on survivor in the new era other than of course the producers
1: I think this is one of the big problems, honestly. And part of that is there's a, a real absence of just interpersonal conflict in general. And when it does come up, I, I think this uh, this phenomenon might... This might be like a snake eating its own tail in the sense of the audience, does, at least the Twitter audience, does not seem well-equipped to handle that conflict, especially if it's between their two favorites. So you just look at Carla and Cassidy last season, right? Like, that is the kind of, frankly, very, very tame drama that used to be bread and butter for... Uh, survivor and that in itself was tame compared to just drama in general on reality tv which could often get a lot darker a lot more uh sinister than that uh, and the online fanbase just lost their fucking minds over it i mean it was embarrassing to watch and probably embarrassing to be a part of too like i i wouldn't want to be in like uh reading carla's mentions or whatever if i was her like it, it seems like a pretty grim place to be um and so i, I think that you're casting people who are less prone to get into that kind of conflict and uh, they also know that they have to moderate how they're seen to navigate that conflict, if that makes sense. Uh, So lots of factors meaning you just get less of that organically. Um, But also it's, in terms of the show storytelling, I think you need a heel sometimes. You need people who are getting too big for their britches and it can be in a way that ultimately resolves itself nicely so we did a podcast about outlast for example and there, and that has that spans the entire gamut from people who the entire internet wants dead because they are seen as really like legitimate hardcore villains on the show and in real life and then also a guy who seemed like he was going to be one of the big villains early on because he was taunting the other teams and got arrogant and then he got beat in a race, effectively, because of his own hubris and suffered this amazing downfall, and that, I think, it, that kind of uh, soft villainy, where it has a satisfying end in the end, that also is missing from contemporary survivors. So the, the show feels very, like, sanitized in that sense, um, and when everyone on top of that is talking about how, oh my god, my dream is to play Survivor, and, oh my god, it's Jeff! Like, it, it feels like, yeah, what what is the hook there? Like, what is the dramatic storyline outside of oh oh my god did you see someone just played the the cancel two votes advantage and they canceled two votes oh my god
0: yeah i mean i i would guess that in more recent seasons it's also a little harder to paint people like that when you're simultaneously showing all of these like compellingly traumatic backstories for every single person in the cast
1: that too as well yeah like everyone who which they, they've actually done a lot less of, and uh, including this season so far. But yeah, when everyone uh, is meant to be a hero from the outset, I, I don't know how you're meant to incorporate any actual strand of villainy within that.
0: Yeah, I will, uh, that's an area where I'm going to be curious to see how things kind of adjust going forward. Because I, I, too, am with you that I, I, a healthy dose of that I don't think would be the worst thing in the world in some upcoming season we'll we'll see uh and then dom unfortunately i would say we haven't gotten to see that much out of either heidi or lauren to this point and i know that their relative invisibility is bordering on like heather aldrett status uh, i i think heidi has gotten a bit more in recent weeks but it is i think just kind of a natural byproduct unfortunately of this era where so much of the episode time almost has to be devoted to challenges, advantage explanations and advantage like strategizing and then tribal councils that take way too long. Uh, There's, there's so little time left in the episodes to get into anything beyond that. And it's obviously not going to be perfectly equally distributed, distributed and every season one or two or three ish people are just going to kind of be on the wrong side of their team rarely goes to travel council they're rarely involved in any of the big advantage related stuff and they're just not going to get a frankly like reasonable amount of screen time for someone who has been on tv for a month and a half and counting uh, i was actually thinking i know this came up a couple times during our Micronesia rewatch that we just recently did over on the Patron feed, incidentally, patreon.com slash and to to hear all of that and the many, many, many other seasons uh, that we've done over on the patron feed at this point as like bonus episodes. I we talked on at least Micronesia, if not others, about Tribals Council that took us by surprise with how short they were i don't remember i, I want to say it might have even been like the eliza Justin effing stick boot like that whole tribal council i think was like three minutes and that's not an exaggeration <laughs> like there, there are so many tribals from these like all-time iconic episodes they, that still stay with you to this day and the tribal council time itself is like minuscule whereas These days, it seems like we're spending at least seven or eight minutes a week doing stupid Q&A with Jeff and analogy of the week and so forth. Uh, On top of that, it feels like I have absolutely no data to back this up whatsoever. It feels like the challenges are running longer than they used to, and obviously we have Journey Island uh, taking up plenty of time on top of the people just scrambling to figure out how the advantages work and how to play around them and everything. Uh, We are rapidly running out of room in a 42-minute episode for anything on top of that Uh, and that I feel like is being taken out on a few players each season and in this case it happens to be particularly Heidi and Lauren on the wrong end of that but I'm hoping that now that there are fewer players left we're all in one big tribe I assume uh, going forward and it seems like they're both relatively at least not viewed as threats i'm reluctant to use the word safe uh, for the time being maybe the back half of this season will give us more to talk about uh as far as those two are concerned but any takes at this point as far as uh
1: you've seen from them i i wish i knew they existed so i could have something to say you know it, it really is it, it gets to the point where is straight you, you always have to go out of your way to under edit them this much you would think if you were just Putting random clips that you found compelling in there, something with Lauren or Heidi would work its way in at some point, but uh, it has uh, not panned out that way so or, far.
0: I mean, to me, it's more like even if there are not specific scenes that you feel like are necessary to put in to include them give there're going to be people like that every single season give them more throwaway confessionals that like it could be anyone talking about this and it happens to be them i feel like that's like but, such an easy way
1: but but okay but this is something that is just occurring to me now if the theory of how an episode should look is that there's always new action there's always a new twist there's always some development that you have to take part in or react to then that that limits how many just like general confessions there are about oh it was pretty sad to lose the reward today or lose yeah. the challenge or so on and yeah so if if Heidi is not going to showpova island and she's not taking part in the summit and she's not uh finding the key that unlocks the birdcage what does she get to say like if she can't talk about those things what is there to talk about uh, you can
0: find something I like
1: I mean you you should yes but th- this is once you decide to structure the episode like that I think invisibility for characters like Heidi just like naturally flows from that as well
0: i i believe it is the case that like Heidi and Lauren have combined for like six or seven confessionals in the last four weeks or so that to me should like basically never happen for any combination of people on any season of survivor like you can find ways i in any event I, again hoping to see uh significantly more from either or both of them going forward so that next time we're in here uh we can have a a legitimately like meaningful uh discussion about what they've been up to dom have i missed anyone i don't think i have but uh apologies if so and now would be the time to bring it to my attention if that is the case but uh assuming we have gone through everyone remaining in the game i did just want to also say before we get out of here an all-time brutal string of pre-merge exits for me as far as like the people i was liking early on was concerned every week i would pick a new favorite and then the following week they would get voted out it would i got to the point where like i stopped following cast members on twitter because i felt like i was somehow jinxing them for something that happened whatever it was six or seven months ago if not even longer ago than that i loved everybody that we lost pre-merge I. i guess in reverse chronological order here more or less i did want to say josh was very fun for the few episodes that he got to be on the show matthew i would say was a big time like standout out of the entire cast for as long as he was on the show and would love to see him in particular uh get a potential second chance on survivor although i'm nervous that he made such a like lasting good impression his first time around that his spot may be kind of blown up for gaining people's trust the second time around. But in particular, Matthew at that first travel council playing his shot in the dark to avoid having to cast a vote and make his loyalties known, I thought was like transcendent is too strong of a word, but like
1: it is very, right. very
0: sharp <laughs> the very sharp stuff that I think we will see a lot more of on future seasons
1: i I loved matthew yeah he i thought he was going to be the guy who i select as my winner pick but ends up being the the omer or like the the big strategist who gets taken down just before the end oh
0: yeah i I was very much on that say i thought he was right in line to be that omer shan kind of Ricard type who makes a you know jesse maybe even uh this season where he is explicitly one of the main characters who's like an obvious big threat to win and comes up just short i thought that was like firmly where he was heading and i was actually very surprised that he ultimately was eliminated because of that shoulder eye and then of course dom a a just murderer's row of robbed goddesses from the early eliminations here all of sarah claire helen and maddie I was a big fan of for as long as they were on the show, and it is heartbreaking to me still that they were all taken out as quickly as they were.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I and incidentally, a couple of things. As that, so saying this from a place of love for both Claire and Survivor Twitter, please do not at me. I would be surprised if a pretty significantly non-zero percentage of Claire like actively wanting to sit out of as many challenges she as she did was not directly related to the treatment that Sandra and Courtney have gotten over the years on survivor twitter and like i i i would be surprised if Claire if not some small piece in the back of her mind like a small piece if not a big piece in the back of her mind was thinking not only does it at least potentially make sense for me to sit out. If I sit out, Twitter is going to go nuts, and I'm going to be the new sit-out queen, and I'm going to be like Sandra and Courtney. I, I think some lessons were hopefully learned about doing it for the memes.
1: I don't know how much that was part of it, but there did there does seem to be this reluctance to like we saw reasons in the way that the show is very good at giving us for okay this person got voted out because of this um and even if you try and look read between the lines there or you think there's some like hidden thing that we weren't seeing i don't know i felt like i was told a compelling ish story for why claire would be voted out and deliberately sitting out of as many challenges as possible probably part of that um and my impression of claire's twitter activity is if she was voted out at any point, there would be some reason as to why this was a terrible decision that was influenced by external factors or whatever. Like I, I don't see any kind of a self-examination in that sense. I
0: don't know. I I got the sense that after the second or third time sitting out, she was like actively excited to do so, uh, and I I would not be surprised as a, as I've probably said a couple times now if survivor twitter like knowing what she knew about survivor twitter informed that decision to some degree but again i don't want to miss the larger point here of devastating to have all of these people go out as early as they did especially considering how perhaps uh preventably imbalanced the format was in leading to that conclusion but oh.
1: uh, uh, I w- w- yeah one thing that kind of occurred to me was does does it seem to you like there is a like white collar versus no collar and we kind of forgot to cast the blue collar tribe vibe about this season
0: yeah uh let me i i don't so unfortunately i don't know everyone's occupations off the top of my oh. head i just tried to pull up the oh god Damn, the Wikipedia doesn't even give me occupations anymore.
1: Yeah, I, I I ran into this myself earlier, but uh, so like Claire is a literal venture capitalist. Uh, a Sarah was a management consultant, I think. Helen was this as a project uh, manager, uh, I believe. Um, oh, I so mean about- the
0: solution's obvious. It has nothing to do with bad luck or sexist challenge design. It's just management consultant syndrome.
1: <laughs> well, that, that, that could be it yeah um sadly no poker players on the season to add as a kind of baseline for all of that but uh yeah it, it feels like that that might be one missing link too is that uh if you are if you are selecting four people who are survivor super fans i wonder if there's any kind of like just i don't know class or background thing that goes into that which then trickles down into who ends up getting cast on the show i don't know
0: yeah uh i mean Oh Man, in looking through this, I think you do make a pretty compelling point that they seem to have not necessarily given up forever on the blue-collar sort of demographic that they hammered so hard for so long in casting. Uh, I, do you miss it? Let me ask you that.
1: Yeah, I, I well, I, I miss that kind of variety that, at least in theory, used to be a hallmark of the show, but I, I do specifically miss... Those kind of people who tended to be a little bit more blunt and tended to be able to puncture the uh, the self regard of some of the more uh, you know uh, too big for their britches contestants.
0: So, in you know over the course of the conversation about not only just the blue collared stuff, but the idea of casting people who are not necessarily fawning over Jeff Probst at every opportunity and are not necessarily there to win and lifelong fans of the show i do think this would actually be uh, a fun season to throw in my man keith nail and just see what kind of fireworks explode as he tries to make sense of everything going on
1: or just a, a twilight or something you know we, oh, we can, I, we can oh, mix I, it I up mean, throw a on any season yes
0: yeah uh okay so dom uh i believe i am fresh out anything else that you wanted to get to oh i have one other thing which is uh pertaining to our first voted-out person of the season. Not everything is lost here for Maddie. Uh, I was personally a big Maddie fan, and Dom, um, as you know, and I'm sure very few listeners know or care about, but uh, over the years, I have been carefully cultivating the Survivor alumni who are extremely good at Twitter Hall of Fame I'm not ready yet to formally induct Maddie, but I think she is well on her way. I very much like Maddie on Twitter.
1: Is, is she even an alumnus at this point? I I is there some like Cat Edison line that comes into play here?
0: No I, I think any if you are out there on the beach on day, I think Bruce is already an alumni to use an
1: okay, extreme okay.
0: example and that's th- actually Bruce is going to occupy a very interesting space in survivor history, assuming he does indeed come back and get like his first shot all over.
1: Oh, Bruce is someone who is going to trip me up on no more lockies in two yeah, and a half years
0: from now. 100%. Yeah. Uh, so, Maddie, no formal ruling yet being made, but it's certainly in the mix for the class of 2023 for the Survivor alumni who are extremely good at Twitter Hall of Fame, uh, which is a, a very small group. I don't know the exact count, but it's only like seven or eight people, if even that many. Uh, Dom, I think that is going to do it for us here today. Great, as always, to talk to you. Uh, And we will see what becomes of continuing Survivor 44 coverage. I am guessing we're going to be back at some point before the finale, but I'm sure by uh, the finale at the latest, we'll be back to wrap up on everything. Hopefully the post-merge can provide some more kind of abstractly interesting things to get into other than just the grand scheme of game design in the year 2023 but uh, very fun, as always, talking to you about all of this. Dom is on Twitter at Dom HRV. I am on Twitter at Colin Stone. One more time, uh, bonus episodes over on the patron feed, patreon.com slash Dom and Colin. At this point, hundreds of hours of stuff uh, that has never been released publicly, but uh, you can find it over there. Anything else, Dom, before we wrap it?
1: Uh, yeah, we did uh, discuss releasing some of that to give the audience a taste of what they're missing and also just to get stuff out there into the universe. Uh, I, I know I always feel a little self-conscious when uh, we, we always have a great time recording those uh, rewatch series, but it is weird to think that, you know, a few dozen people will listen to that maybe and then uh, I, I kind of want it to be out there in the ether as, I don't know, selfish as that is. Uh, yeah,
0: we so we have floated, just given the lack of consistent 44 stuff, uh, we have talked about the idea of unlocking various patron episodes to to give the the main feed some sort of survivor content uh, and i i think that is certainly something we can do relatively soon well we'll talk more about that off air but i would say be on the lookout for that sort of thing uh, all right that is i think going to be the final thing that we talk about here this week awesome wrap up by me not struggling whatsoever with getting us out of here Thank you, everyone, who made it this far. We will talk to you soon. Take care, everybody.